Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I missed you the last couple of days. We had to do encores, but I'm here today and hopefully the rest of the week. We're going to be moving to our new property this Saturday. And um, if you're local in the area to uh, the Diocese of Tyler, anyone is, is welcome to come and help. Um, so uh, we're very happy about it. And we're already setting the internet and everything up and we'll be back on video from the new property as soon as we can do it so we're excited i i i took a second out for a yawn we've been working and it's it's just wonderful and it you know so many people still don't know that we were able to close on the property um god worked two miracles two days before we closed and we had every penny to close. We're so um, we're so grateful, uh, more grateful that we can know that we're in the will of God because of what He did, than having the money or the property. To be in the will of God is my food, and my peace and my joy. Nothing better than that. So um, we're going to be doing that, and uh, this Saturday all day. Uh, July 15th, and we are ecstatic. So we are going to continue. You know, we're going through the Catechism Explained, which is the Catechism of Trent Explained by Father Sparago here in our community, Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope as well. So um, you you can get your copy online if you wish. I know there's a number of people who have gotten the Catechism and they're going through it with their family. And even online with us in the morning. So we are now, we began the la- uh, when we closed the last program, the Christian under suffering. So not too exciting a topic, but actually for me it is exciting. I don't, I'm not a masochist. I don't like to suffer, but um, I know that uh, if I do uh, and, I, and I am in the will of God, it's a gift. It's truly a gift. Peter says all who live godly in this present age will suffer persecution. And we have other types of suffering as well, for sure. Um, And certainly um, Bishop Strickland, uh, who heads this diocese of Tyler, where we are, is going through suffering now. And um, uh, it's all over the world. The news that he's had a a visit from the Vatican a couple of bishops that were sent to him. And um, we know that means whatever we think it means. Uh, If you say, well, does it mean he could possibly this or that? Yes, it means all of that. But we're praying. And so I ask you to pray. He's just one of the best bishops in the country, if not the world, because he actually believes the gospel. He actually believes God's word. And he speaks it. And he will not stop speaking it. Um, there's a verse in the old 
covenant that says, for Zion's sake, I will not be silent. And we are not just Zion, we are the full measure of the church, preached to every creature, uh, every tribe and tongue and nation in the four corners of the earth. So we will not be silent because we love God and we love the people for whom he died. Who are the people for whom he died? Every single creature who exists, who has existed and who will exist. So we begin the Christian under suffering. And the first point is that no one can attain to eternal salvation without suffering. Are we saved by our suffering, beloved? Absolutely not. But are we saved without it? No. Are we saved by our works? No. But are we saved without our works? No. Uh, Paul says to Timothy, no one is crowned unless he strive lawfully. Even Christ had to enter, Father Sparago says, even Christ had to enter into his glory through suffering. That's uh, in Luke chapter 24. And our Lord says in the Gospel of Matthew, he that taketh not up his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. The road to heaven is a rough one. In order to make the flax that grows in the earth into pure white linen, it must be rubbed, stretched, and thoroughly cleansed and woven. The corn has to be threshed and winnowed. The pure gold has to pass through fire. Not to suffer is a sign that no future happiness is in store for you. Suffering and holiness are inseparably bound together. There is no good work that does not meet with obstacles, no virtue that does not have to fight and struggle. For this reason, God leaves no just man without suffering. God treats us as a physician treats his patients. Those of whose recovery he despairs, he leaves alone. Oh, dear ones, you don't want to be left alone. If you have children and you leave them alone and you leave them to their own devices and destruction, then there's no love in you for them. Whom God loves, he chastens. Whom a human parent loves, he chastens. Um, God treats us as a physician treats his patients. Those of whose recovery he despairs, he leaves alone. But to those whom he hopes to cure, he administers bitter medicines. Now, you know, that might be a, a, a curious sentence to us. Those whom he hopes to cure. Does God have to hope? Doesn't he have the power to just cure us? He does. But he does nothing without our cooperation. Um, uh, we need to cooperate with God throughout all our salvation. As milk is the food of children, so are the contradictions the food of God's elect. To his chosen, God gives a sword on earth to pierce their heart and a crown in heaven to adorn their heads. Yet God mingles with the bitterness of suffering, the sweets of consolation. Hold on a moment just now. 
We see this through the history of Our Lady, which consists of alternate joys and sorrows. So too, we celebrate the seven joys and sorrows of St. Joseph. All suffering comes from God, beloved. All suffering comes from God and is a sign of his love and favor. We find in the lives of the saints that the more good works they undertook for God, the more did suffering assail them, as in the case of Tobias and of Holy Job. Sufferings seem to be the reward of good works performed. And that seems a contradiction to our minds, doesn't it, dear ones? They are a precious gift, which will avail us to all eternity. To suffer something for God is in itself a great privilege and honor. It is a better gift than that of performing miracles and raising the dead. I'm going to repeat that sentence. To suffer something for God is in itself a great privilege and honor. It is a better gift than that of performing miracles and raising the dead. Parents often punish their children to cure them of their faults. If they see the same faults in the children of others, they do not trouble themselves about them because they do not care for them. So it is with God. The children whom he loves, he often corrects. Hence, Raphael said to Tobias in the book of Tobit, because thou wast pleasing to God, it was necessary that temptation should prove thee. And St. Paul says to the Hebrews, whom the Lord loveth, he chastiseth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Gold and silver, says Ecclesiasticus, gold and silver are tried in the fire and acceptable men in the furnace of tribulation. The greater a saint, the greater were, in most cases, his sufferings. Our Lady was the queen of martyrs. The apostles had to suffer much, especially St. Peter and St. Paul. To be free from suffering is a bad sign. St. Augustine says, there is no greater misfortune than the good fortune of sinners. He who does not suffer now will have to suffer hereafter. And yet, dear ones, God never sends us any suffering that is beyond our powers of endurance. One of my favorite verse, uh, St. Paul writes to the Corinthians, God is faithful, who will not permit you to suffer beyond that which you are able. He will not allow you to suffer beyond which uh, you are beyond that which you are able, and you say, that's not true. I can't handle this suffering. We, apart from God, we can't. Apart from God, we're able to do nothing. But with him, we can go through the suffering and come out the other side, changed and sanctified. There's the music, dearest, for our first break. Um, and we'll come back to continue with uh, the subject of suffering. Uh, in the Catechism Explained after the great break and after our second break, we'll have a half hour for your calls and your emails. Um, don't go away. We'll be right back.
beloved, this is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Here at the Station of the Cross, we proudly bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices. And we're grateful for the feedback we've received. I grew up Catholic Church, haven't been in the Catholic Church for decades, but I'm in the process of working my way back for the simple reason that I needed a place to listen to pro-life, pro-family messages, Catholic radio is it. It's a place to hear that message without all the political bias and all that that's going on on News Talk Radio. It changed my life. It's the only station I turn on. The Catholic station is an answer to prayer. It just couldn't be more fulfilling. It's helped me learn more about the faith and it's helped me to deepen my faith as a result of that. It's on continuously in my house, day and night. You can't imagine how much I receive from that channel. If you've been blessed by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112. Then share your testimonial with us. Keep up to date with the shows we bring you each day on the Station of the Cross by viewing our programming grid on our website, thestationofthecross.com and on our iCatholic Radio app. Just click the menu icon in the top left portion of our app and select the link to our programming grid. That's at thestationofthecross.com and on our free iCatholic Radio app for Android and Apple mobile devices. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I am she, and we are live, and I'm thrilled to be with you. We are reading uh, The Christian and Suffering right now through the Catechism Explained, going through the Ten Commandments. And just before the break, we read from Father Spirago that God never sends us any suffering that is beyond our powers of endurance. And he quotes St. Paul that God is faithful who will not permit you to suffer above that which you are able, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. But I happen to know the whole verse because in my evangelical, 18 evangelical Protestant years, we we memorized verses constantly. And the whole verse says that um, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, who will not allow you to be suffered to suffer beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape. The whole verse is important to know that there's nothing new under the sun. Whatever we suffer, others have suffered. And whenever I am suffering, because God has been faithful to send me those uh, sufferings, um, I think of that verse, that um, nothing's new under the sun, 
no temptation has overtaken me that's not common to man, but that God is faithful and he will not allow us to suffer that which uh, beyond which we are not able uh, to bear and that he will provide the way of escape. Well, I know I can bear it on my own. I cannot. But with the grace of God, I can. And um, and he will provide the way of escape. And for our us little feeble things, we want the way of escape to be out of the trial. But God's way is not out. He has a purpose in all he does. God's way is through. And we go through the trial and we come out changed. It's not the trial that changes us. It's our response to the trial that changes us. If we curse God, if we complain and all of that, well, it does us no good and bears us no grace for heaven. But if we trust God and call upon him for the strength to endure it and for him to complete his purpose in us uh, by allowing it to come our way, uh, then we come out changed. Father Sparago says the peasant knows how much his beast of burden can carry and does not load him beyond his strength. Will God, the all-wise, the all-merciful, lay more on us than we can bear? The potter does not leave his vessels too long in the fire, lest they should crack. He who plays on an instrument is careful not to tighten the strings too much, lest they should break, nor too little, for then they would produce no sound. The physician apportions his remedies to the power of his patient. So the heavenly physician sends us sufferings in proportion to our power of bearing them. And again, apart from him, we can do nothing. Our power is what we can do with the grace of God. There are some people who make sufferings for themselves because they find fault with what gives no cause for complaint. Even in real sufferings, much complaining is a sign of faint-heartedness and makes us more sensible to suffering. Our third point is that God sends suffering to the sinner to bring him back into the right way and to save him from eternal death. How many have been converted by means of sufferings? And he gives the example of Manassas in the prison of Babylon in Second Chronicles, Jonah, the prodigal son, even the wicked Ahab. God is like a surgeon who cuts away the deceased flesh that it may not cause death. Sufferings is also, sufferings also bring about a disgust for earthly things and make the sinful pleasures of the world bitter. They destroy our dependence on earthly things. That's a good thing, beloved. Sufferings destroy our dependence on earthly things and take away the desire for the enjoyments and the pleasures of this valley of tears and turn our thoughts to heaven. Sufferings again impress upon us our own helplessness and they compel us to have recourse to God in prayer. They teach us a knowledge of ourselves and of our own sinfulness. As the trees after the winter flower and bring forth fruit, so does man after suffering bring forth works pleasing to God. 
St. Teresa of Avila, uh, St. Teresa of Avila says, um, sufferings, though very hard to bear, are the surest way to God. She suffered greatly. She was no masochist. She suffered greatly and became a great saint. God frequently sends bodily sickness to the sinner for the healing of the sickness of his soul. How many there are who have been converted to God through the means of bodily sickness. St. Francis of Assisi and St. Ignatius of Loyola are two examples. The wise man says, a grievous sickness makes the soul sober. In sickness, God knocks at the door of the heart and asks for admission. I am always glad, said St. Ignatius, when I see a sinner fall ill, for sickness brings back to God. How foolish it is then to regard sickness as a mark of God's anger when it is really a mark of his compassion, beloved. The fourth point under suffering is that God sends suffering to the just man to try him whether he loves God most or whether he loves creatures most. Job, you know his story, Job, who had always lived a God-fearing life, lost all his property, his children, and his health, and was derided by his wife and friends. Tobias had buried the dead at the peril of his life, and he gave most liberal arms. God took away his sight and left him poor and unable to earn anything for himself. Thus God tries his friends. As the storm tests the tree, whether it is firmly rooted, so suffering tests the just, whether they are firmly established in their love of God. Beloved, I know to you this may sound very foolish at the least, but when suffering comes my way, I don't ask for it, I don't delight in sufferings, but I delight in God. And I know, as I've said many times, that nothing touches me, nothing touches you, nothing touches us without God's permission. He is perfect in his ways. And if it touches us, you say, well, they, that person didn't deserve uh, what he got or what she got. He, she didn't, she's a good person. Well, it's because she's a good person that God tries her or him. And whenever suffering comes, I don't like it. Uh, uh, I might even um, uh, momentarily uh, be discouraged or feel discouragement, but I don't let it sink in. And I think I, I rest on my knowledge of God that he cares more for me than earthly goods or property or anything else he may give me. And he wants to form me for heaven. More important, my trust and love for him are what need to uh, rise above the sufferings, whatever they are. As the wind, Father um, Sparago says, as the wind separates the chaff from the wheat, so trouble marks off the sinner from the just. Sweet herbs smell the sweetest when they are bruised. 
so the just are most pleasing to God in the time of tribulation. God often takes away from us what we love best, and that which is injurious or dangerous, just as a father takes from his little child a razor or sharp knife. At the same time, the sufferings of the just man are a great advantage to him. They serve him as a penance for his sins. They cleanse him from all imperfections, increase his zeal on the practice of good, in the love of God, and in the love of prayer. They also increase his merit in heaven, and often, too, his happiness in this world. By sufferings, the punishment due for sin is canceled. Hence, St. Augustine prayed, quote, In this life, O Lord, burn, scorch, and wound me. Only spare me in the life to come. Think yourself happy, said St. Francis Xavier. Think yourself happy if you can exchange the agonizing pains of purgatory for sufferings in this world. Sufferings also purify the soul from its imperfections. Gold is tried in the fire, so the soul is purged by suffering. Every branch that bears fruit in God, rather every branch that bears fruit, God purges that it may bring forth more fruit. That's John chapter 15. A sharp file cleanses iron from rust. As soap cleanses the body, so suffering cleanses the soul. Suffering also increases our strength, just as the blows of the hammer, just as the blows of the hammer make the iron stronger and harder. Toil strengthens the body. Suffering strengthens the soul. The vessels that the potter places in the fire come out hard and strong. Suffering, dear ones, also adds to our love of God. As the ark of Noah was raised nearer to heaven by the floods that overspread the earth, so we are brought nearer to heaven and to God by the floods of suffering. As the gold leaf is, the, is spread out, by the blows of the hammer, so our love of God is extended by suffering. Sufferings detach us from the love of earthly things and destroy our love of this world. Hence, St. Augustine prayed, Make all things bitter to me, that so thou alone may appear sweet to my soul. Sufferings also increase our gratitude to God. For the loss of health and other gifts of God makes us value what we have lost. It all sufferings also make us humble. Beloved, this is this is a treasure. Father Sparago spares no little analogy or or illustration to help us understand it. And I agree a thousand percent with him. Uh, God is perfect in his ways, dear one. We will take your calls and your emails when we return from this break. And the toll-free number to call in ahead, if you wish, is 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. 
is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for July 12th. Today we celebrate Saints John Jones and John Wall. Today's saints were martyred in England in the 16th and 17th centuries for daring to openly minister as priests. John Jones was Welsh. First ordained a diocesan priest, he joined the Franciscans at age 60 and returned to England three years later when Queen Elizabeth I was at the height of her power. John ministered to Catholics in the English countryside, often using an alias, until his imprisonment in 1596. He was executed two years later. John Wall was English-born and educated in Belgium. After his ordination in Rome, he entered the Franciscans and was given permission to work secretly in England. In the year 1678, a local Anglican had worked many English people into a frenzy over an alleged papal plot to murder the king and restore Catholicism in England. That same year, Catholics were legally excluded from Parliament. John Wall was among those arrested in the last large-scale persecution of Catholics in England. He was executed in 1679. John Jones and John Wall were canonized by Pope Paul VI in 1970. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our half hour together. I'm thrilled to be with you, and as you just heard, you are welcome to call in with anything whatsoever on your heart, with your name or anonymous. It, ma- it matters not. Uh, the the, uh, of the heart of the matter, I always say, is the matter of your heart. So feel free to call in toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. I'm sorry for these little pauses, beloved. You might be able to tell that I'm yawning. I tell you, once we get to the new property, which is going to be soon, um, we'll uh, we'll be able to uh, stay more awake, I think. <laughs> I don't know. But um, we have an email from Peter. And Peter says, I was wondering if you had a ch- have had a chance to see the Sound of Freedom movie yet. If so, I would love your thoughts. I have heard a lot of good things about the movie. Peter, we have not seen it. Um, I did buy the tickets for our little community. Um, uh, we wanted to support the film, and many people have bought tickets who couldn't go, but we have not seen it. Uh, but over um, uh, the July 4th weekend, I think it broke every record. It was the number one rated film, and I've heard nothing but good. I've seen the trailer. Um, 
and uh, uh, let's Jim Caviezel and Eduardo. Uh, the movie, uh, the film I've heard is outstanding as any film could be. And as you might know, The Sound of Freedom uh, is all about child abduction and trafficking. And it's, it's horrible, horrible. They don't show horrible things in the film that I'm aware of, but that's what it's about. And uh, child trafficking and uh, all of that is only increasing and we need to do what we can to stop it. So I would recommend that film to anyone. I did see the trailer, it, it wasn't that terrible. Um, it, it's just the message of the movie. They didn't make it so that it couldn't be watched because they want us to be aware of the uh, enormity of child trafficking. So I recommend it, Peter, even though I haven't seen it. Um, and I recommend it to everyone to be able to see. I wouldn't take little children. Uh, it's, it's rated um, uh, PG for parental guidance. In, in past days, it might have been rated R, but everything is so allowed today that it's parental guidance. And you really need to judge whether you take your children uh, to see that or not. Um, I wouldn't take children. I wouldn't even take a young teenager to see it. But, um, uh, but teenagers, yes, and everyone else, yes. Um, we have an email from Michelle. Michelle says, Dear Mother Miriam, please allow me to introduce myself. I am Michelle. <clears throat> My husband and I are the coordinators for our RCIA program at Holy Rosary Church in Warrington, Warrington, Missouri. Um, we lived in St. Louis, Missouri from 1990 to 97. At that time, I remember you and the excitement when people would see you at Mass at the Cathedral Basilica. I did live there for a, a few years, beloved. Um, your story has always inspired me and the faith and love you expressed for God in the Augustine Institute. Um, the, the, the film, The Presence, she says, is captivating. I'm praying that there is a way you can help us. This year, we entered our RCIA, we centered our RCIA instruction on the Eucharist, and our class was extraordinary. Well, uh, Michelle, that's two and two is four. You center on the Eucharist, um, it's, it's, and, and the true teaching of Christ in the Eucharist, it has to be extraordinary. Each candidate, she said, each candidate or catechumen had a truly inspiring um, story. There were 17 with an additional six adult children and six more in our Spanish-speaking community. So the East Division was quite unusual. What has really inspired me and the RCIA team was the embrace of Jesus's presence. Um, catechi cat candidates, catechumens, sponsors, team members, we all grew spiritually from the very beginning in September 2022. And in addition to our Thursday night class, we gathered together for four Sunday masses for, with instruction specifically on the Mass following afterwards. That's wonderful. The, uh, after those first four Masses, we gathered each first Sunday for Mass together. The expectation was that they were going to Mass on their own every Sunday. The year before, 
we gave the four candidates and or cat, slash catechumens the book quote Jesus and the Jewish Roots of the Eucharist by Brandt Petrie, and we experienced a Seder meal. It's a Jewish Passover, a Seder meal as a retreat on Palm Sunday. This year, we used Dr. Petrie's DVD series titled Why We Worship for the Sunday Meetings and ended our instruction again with the Palm Sunday Seder meal. Our hope was to fully explain the new Passover, Jesus's presence and love, his, un, his intentional sacrifice and the meaning of scripture that opens our eyes to the truth before us. And Michelle says, I would really appreciate your guidance as we prepare for next year's class. I would like to share the script with you that we used for our Seder meal. Although I have been to an authentic Seder meal, I'm not certain how what we do is different. Our goal is to teach the symbology um, and meaning and not necessarily accomplish an exact Seder meal. Yes, she says, is that correct? It absolutely is correct because you're, you're not, uh, you are not um, um, enacting, you're not uh, having a Seder meal the way the Jewish people today do, the unbelieving Jews, meaning who don't believe that Messiah came. You're not celebrating their Messiah, uh, rather their Seder, um, uh, as, um, uh, as what you do now, because in the Jewish Seder, they're waiting for the Messiah to come. You are a believer that he has come. You are in the church he established. So your Seder is different. Um, so uh, you are right. Uh, our, our goal to teach the symbology and meaning and not necessarily accomplish an exact Seder meal. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. What would you recommend we do more fully to more fully explain and express our love for the Holy Eucharist, um, I would I would read passage passages that show that the Eucharist of the New Testament is what the 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 the, um, uh, the bread of the New Covenant is what the manna of the Old Covenant pointed to, but the manna of the Old Covenant was a sign. Um, signs point to a greater reality, and that sign pointed to the Holy Eucharist. I tell you what, Michelle, um, the best thing you could do right now, I think, rather than send me the script, is to go online with the Association of Hebrew Catholics. You might know of my brother, David Moss, and David, with his wife, attends the Cathedral Mass daily in St. Louis, and he is the president of the Association of Hebrew Catholics all over the world. Their website is HebrewCatholic.net. Um, and they um, uh, have on their website, HebrewCatholic.net, a Passover Haggadah, the story of the Passover, a book that they've published that has the entire Seder ritual in it and the right songs at the end uh, to conclude the Psalms. Um, our Lord prayed at the Seder meal, the Hallel, Psalm 113 to 118, um, and you can pray that as well. But again, if you download um, 
the Association of Hebrew Catholics uh, Haggadah or Seder meal, you will get all that information and word for word. Um, uh, Michelle says, I hope you have time to help us or guide us. If you do not, I understand. I'm grateful you will even read this email. God reward you, Mother Miriam. So no, Michelle. Um, and then she says, yours in Jesus through Mary, Michelle. Michelle, dear one, go ahead. Association of Hebrew Catholics or HebrewCatholic.net and um, you will be able to download a Hebrew Catholic um, uh, Seder um, and, and be able to give the show Christ in the Passover, perhaps more so than you've ever been able to do that before. Um, so hold on, hold on one moment. Okay. We have an email from Bonnie. Bonnie says, Bonnie says, dear mother, I've just been introduced to you by a family member. They told me that if a family member divorces and does not seek an annulment, then gets married, we, the family members, are not to allow them into our home. I've never said that. I have never said that. You'll, you're not going to find, um, you're not going to find, you're not going to be able to quote me going back on programs, nor are we to enter their homes, stating our reason that they are living in mortal sin and the catechism states this. Let me clarify before I go on with your email, Bonnie. Um, if a family member divorces and does not seek an annulment, then gets remarried, um, they're living in adultery. That's the issue. They are living in adultery. Um, and if they're Catholic, then they're much more accountable uh, for living in very grave sin. And you need to go to them and explain that to them and show them the teaching of the faith from the catechism and help them. Um, um, yes, they should seek an annulment if they're Catholic. Uh, they should seek an annulment, and if the annulment is not granted, that means that they're still married to their first uh, mate, the first spouse, and if they do not seek an annulment, uh, they need to assume that their marriage is still valid, and, um, and they need to know that they're living in fornication, especially if they're Catholic. You need to go and you need to tell them all of that. Um, you know, if two people are married and they're living together and they're living out of a proper marriage, proper wedlock, lock, you don't help them by divorcing yourself from them. You help them by teaching them the faith and explaining things to them. And then if they won't listen, yes, you need to separate yourself. Absolutely. So you don't support them in their sin. Yes. But first go to them um, and do everything you can to um, help open their hearts to the truth of the gospel. Um, Bonnie continues, I've spoken to my spiritual director, and he said that is not stated in the catechism, and that we can make that choice, or we can choose to be in their presence after we've told them to seek annulments, and that they need to work on this, and we believe in time they will. It seems very cruel to close the door of our relationships with these people. 
What can you tell me about the situation? Peace and all good, Bonnie. Well, just what I said, Bonnie. Don't abandon people when they go into mortal sin um, uh, or very grave sin. Don't abandon them. They may not know their faith. They may not know how serious it is. You need to do everything you can to, to win them over and to be with them and to make this your conversation. Um, and they can come to you for help or they may turn from you. Um, if they fully understand the consequences and they say, we're Catholic, we're gonna receive the Eucharist and, and you don't tell us what to do, then I would say you separate yourselves from them and you let the priests know that they're receiving um, communion while they're in mortal sin, uh, so that the Eucharist is not given to them. We'll be right back after the break, dear ones. Have you ever dialogued with someone who espouses relativism, which says there is no truth, or it might be true for you, but not for me? It's pretty frustrating. Deep down, we know these claims are false, but we often don't know why. Here's the reason. To say there is no truth is a contradiction. The assertion is tantamount to saying it's true that there is no truth, plain absurdity. Now the other position, there is no absolute truth, just truth relative to the individual set of beliefs, is problematic as well. The usage of the verb is implies an assertion about the objective order of things. It's the same thing as saying it's absolutely true that there is no absolute truth, which of course is a contradiction. No matter how the relativist slices the pie, he ends up with a contradiction, making relativism an unreasonable worldview. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. I'm Jim Havens, host of The Simple Truth, heard weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That verse shattered me. I stopped everyone on the street, Jim. I said, excuse me, you know there's a God. You know you can know him. I wanted a ladder tall enough to reach the moon to tell the world that there's a Savior. That's The Simple Truth, weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. The Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network is dedicated to answering the critical need of access to quality, consistent, professional, and proven Catholic programming. We cannot rely on other media outlets to properly represent our church. Catholic Radio reaches Catholics, non-Catholic Christians, and non-believers alike. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent of your diocese, our apostolate is listener-supported. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. Um, and this is our final segment. So again, we have 10 minutes, and you're welcome to call in with uh, anything that's on your heart. Toll free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. We have an email from Brian. Brian says, hi, Mother Miriam. <clears throat> Thank you, and God bless you for your morning show. 
My wife and I are praying for the Holy Spirit's voice and trying to discern the following. Number one, our six-year-old daughter has been having episodes of screaming and hitting. At times, it is eating or sleep-related. Other times, there's no reason. It, is it possible our house is under attack by demons? Last night we prayed, called on the names of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, uh, and, and for Satan to be gone. She did not stop, and that worried me. It, listed, it lasted a good hour before calming down. Well, um, Brian, that's serious. Um, there needs to be a reason, and don't ignore it. Uh, it must, you must find out what it is. So, um, if you're not sure what triggered her, she's six years old, uh, which is old enough for her to be able to explain, maybe when she's apart from it, what triggers her or what she gets angry at, uh, and so forth. So, something serious is going on. And um, it could be several things, but I would take her to a doctor. Um, uh, you could take her to a psychiatrist. You could take her first, take her first to a physical doctor. Let him do a blood test um, and, and see how she's doing physically, if she's deprived of vitamins. Um, you know, when I was a child, well, I still have celiac, but at one point I was in my 40s. And uh, the celiac came back, which for me uh, could be quite serious. It, it basically results in malabsorption. And I could simply die from starvation, even though I'm eating. And when I got to a real serious point, I started uh, just uh, in my 40s, um, hollering and anger and screaming at people, uh, and I had no reason. Well, I, I was angry, but I didn't know what was going on. And they found out I had the blood of a dead person at that point. I was totally depleted of vitamin B and everything else. And as soon as I got back to health, I was perfect. So I would first take it to a physical doctor, let them do blood tests, make sure everything's okay. And then um, if you suspect any demonic activity, take her to... Uh, an exorcist in your diocese or maybe a priest that does deliverance and and they can help uh, detect certain things um, and then of course finally you could take her to a psychologist um, to see if you know they there might be something going on with her that she won't tell anybody for fear so um, I would definitely check that out and not let it go first physical um, and, and, and that, that could be enough to clear it up. Um, his second point is, our kids' ages 11, 8, and 6 are at a new private Catholic school. Our two-year-old stays home. It was an open concept room for grades 1 through 8 with 21 students. The faith aspect is excellent. Unfortunately, consequences, discipline, and rules, not so much. And there was favoritism toward a couple of families. My son now no longer trusts the teacher and acts out because everyone does, yet he gets the blame. This is not good. The faith aspect 
maybe is excellent, but if the discipline is not there and the growing in virtue is not there, the faith aspect is no longer excellent. Um, uh, Brian goes on to say, due to lack of consistency, we are torn between sending them back here or to their former public Catholic school where we did like the teachers, but that is not so faith-based. We also know parents are the primary source of faith, building and catechism. Your thoughts. Thank you and blessings. Brian from Canada. Brian, a thousand percent, I'll always recommend homeschooling over, uh, over the best Catholic school. I'll always recommend that. I, I've said many times, a mother homeschools her child for nine months when that child is in the womb. The baby is born and you continue to homeschool that child and diaper him or her or feed her, teach her to speak, teach him to walk, all of that. And then when the child is five, six years old, you turn them over to the world, even if it's Catholic. It's a shock to the system of a child and um, um, and the values are very, uh, most often not the same. So uh, if you send them uh, to a Catholic school, I would take them out of where they are now. I think you've told me enough to take them out. Um, if their former public as you say, former public Catholic school, uh, as opposed to a private Catholic school, I'm not sure what you mean. Maybe it's public because it's the Catholic school of your parish. It's still private, though. Um, you did like the teachers, but it's not so faith-based. Well, um, if it's a good Catholic school, and I don't know what the message is of not being so uh, faith-based, um, if it doesn't teach anything against the faith uh, and it's good, then that's a good possibility for your children and you could teach them the Catholic faith at home. But if the school is not faith-based, uh, again, if, they, if their teachers are good and they're teaching good and there's nothing immoral and they're not being taught transgender or anything else, uh, that may be an option for you. Um, but yes, parents are supposed to be the primary source of, of faith building, character building, catechism, everything. So if it's possible, Brian, for you and your wife to homeschool the children, which will probably fall to your wife most of all, um, I, would, um, I would keep them home. But I would definitely take them out of where they are now. If there's no discipline, there's no faith. There must be discipline. There must be rules. And there must be consequences for disobedience. So take them out and, if at all possible, uh, homeschool them. And if there's a real reason why you cannot, I would check out that Catholic school with good teachers. But you must see their books. Sex ed cannot be taught. Nothing immoral can be taught. Uh, you need to know exactly what's going to be taught. Okay, otherwise you need to sacrifice as much as you can and bring those children home because when you stand before God, you will not be able to give God the excuse of any school being bad or the teachers being bad because the fact is you sent them out and 
to a world, even if you thought it was a Catholic world, and you are the stewards of the children God has given you to raise them in the faith. So, um, okay, there's the music uh, for the end of our program, beloved. Um, um, and we have a, a, an email from Garrett who wants us to discuss Catholic masculinity on the program. So maybe we can take that subject up tomorrow. That's a hugely important subject. Okay, God bless all of you. And um, love God, love your neighbor, teach your children the faith, and more importantly, live the faith, because they will not live what they do not see. What they do not see. God bless you. <laughs>